Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode. Today we hear from Craig Mathy, MD of the Bournemouth Sevens Festival, which is the world's largest combined sports and music festival. Founded in 2008 by Dodge and Fleur Woodall, the festival is still independently delivered by a team of just seven full-time staff. I've been wanting to get Craig on the show for a while for a number of reasons, namely to hear more about his role as being the MD of a very entrepreneurial business, how his relationship with Dodge in particular developed and what that dynamic is now like, and also to find out how the pandemic affected the festival and how they managed to pivot and adapt to keep it alive. As well as these topics, Craig and I also cover how to maintain a culture when event staff grow almost overnight from that just a handful of seven people to more than 800, future challenges facing the events industry and the vital changes Craig would like to see within it. Craig is really passionate about the events industry and this comes across loud and clear during the course of our conversation. And finally, we talk about Dodge's latest venture, the Events Crowd, which is aimed at developing the next generation of events managers and the role that Craig plays within that business. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, Craig, to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Great to be here. Really excited about our conversation today. There is so much that we can cover, you know, being the MD of an entrepreneurial business and being allowed to be entrepreneurial within a business environment, the COVID and how that affected the events industry. There is so much I'm sure we're going to discuss during the course of our conversation, but let's kick off. You are the MD of the hugely successful Bournemouth Sevens uh, Festival. So let's just start with what makes you so passionate about the events industry, Craig? Yeah, a great question. Uh, for me, it's something that started really early, started in school. Okay. Uh, and i it's a weird kind of future to plan at that stage. But I knew that I loved bringing people together. Okay. And for me, um, organisation kind of skill set kind of showed itself quite early and I was quite lucky in that regard. And, and actually for me, it's about uh, it's about the togetherness of the people that come through the doors. Okay. So I love being playing a, like a contributing role to enjoyment and satisfaction and happiness. Yeah. Um, and Bournemouth Sevens is that. It's a, a collection of like-minded people having an amazing celebration together. Um, so when you are responsible for creating that in other people that is just such a rewarding feeling so that's always kind of driven me actually and be it a fundraiser or um, the festival that we do now all sorts of different events that I've been involved in it's always the same it's about sort of bringing people together okay and but that's really interesting isn't it because clearly the 
Peace for You is about the event, mm. smiles on the face, that yeah. putting like-minded people together. But there's such a big build-up to an event, especially an event the size. I mean, how many people do you have come through the doors? For the yes, festival? so we have 30,000 over the course of a bank holiday weekend. So wow. huge numbers of people yeah. coming through the door, yeah. Absolutely. So you have that kind of moment where it all comes together. And I suppose at that moment, you're a bit like a conductor, aren't you? Yeah, ex- exactly that. I mean, we, our team goes from sort of, uh, well, in, in previous years, seven, we're now nine, but seven full-time staff working year-round on delivering a festival. Um, and that explodes over the course of the weekend. Um, in total, about 1,200 people from start to finish work on Bournemouth 7. It's about 800 during the live event. So all of a sudden, you're not just at the kind of top of a, or conducting that kind of pyramid of eight you're conducting that pyramid of 800 and you therefore need kind of all of your lieutenants all of the people that you work with to be briefed and really understand the process and stuff so yeah that that's really fascinating as well how that kind of evolves as well yeah and it must just i suppose it uh, it must be strange doesn't it? it must build during the course of the year you kind of you host the festival there's a calmness and then it just builds and builds and builds and how do you cope with that from an adrenaline perspective? Yeah exactly that and I think it takes a bit of time. I remember in my first year so I started originally in March 2011 about three months out from the, the first festival that I worked on um, and everyone got through the festival it, it was successful um, and we got to the other side and I was like I was buzzing to go again. Yeah. I was like, come on, guys, let's go. It's when, when can we launch again? And I remember my boss at the time, Sophie, looking at me, just being like, shut up. <laughs> uh, you know uh, yeah, you know nothing. Enjoy the summer. Uh, so I was like, okay, like, fine, I, I will. And that's the joy of living in the South Coast, living in a beautiful place like Bournemouth during the summer. It is amazing. And then we kind of ramp up over those months and, and we go live at the start of September or October. Um, uh, and we've spent the summer rebuilding our website, rebuilding a new brand. Like we like to keep things fresh, okay. constantly evolving that process. Team entries go on sale uh, at the start of September or October. It changes uh, sometimes. but um, And then we're, we're back into the marketing machine and pushing and building. And um, it's always really, really amazing to see the number of people that are prepared to sign up for a tour, of like a rugby tour or a netball tour. Yeah. in November like before the year before um, and then we kind of get into Christmas and then all of a sudden you're in January and then you're in that run up again um, and it's really interesting because just above my desk in our office we have a countdown clock um, which my team love and hate in equal measure um, <laughs> and yeah once it gets over that 100 mark which it did just a few days ago it disappears it absolutely right. rattles see, it down rattles, and, yeah. yeah and um, fundamentally I and the rest of the team love the festival, so like that's why we do it because we 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 we've got a really loyal, amazing team who are. I'm ten years in. Um, Matt and Paul, our other two directors, are seven and six years in, and they they really have kind of bought into the long term view of of what we're trying to build and and that sort of thing so yeah that adrenaline does rise as the festival comes on i've learned over time how to calm down in the summer (laughs) use that sort of three-month period of downtime to regenerate see family again and all that sort of stuff and and then go again in the marketing cycle for the next one so fantastic yeah and just touching on the management and the culture because you know from the outside and having attended the festival there's this kind of great culture and you know, it's not just the it's an energy, but it's a culture around the festival. Mm. And I'm just intrigued to just explore quickly. Like you go from this team of seven now mm. nine to eight hundred, twelve hundred staff. Mm. How do you get them to behave in the right way 
to make that event a success. I mean, some of the roles are probably very static roles. Yeah, of course they are. But if they didn't reflect the brand and the ethos and the culture of the festival and what you wanted it to be, Mm. it wouldn't work, would it? No, it it absolutely wouldn't. I think um, what we try and do is, from a kind of a central location, is set the tone. Um, So for me actually the team is everything the culture of our business is what makes it the success it is um, and I've loved doing that and developing that in by years as MD and, and, and in time kind of preceding that but we all like each other we're a young dynamic team um, that are really kind of committed to doing what we do um, and I would never want anyone to misconstrue that kind of youth as inexperience or incapability because we know how good we are at what we do and that kind of confidence in our ability I think transcends into everything that we do. So one one kind of key part of it is that we manage everything internally. So um, our sales platforms, our marketing, our um, operational development, health and safety. Um, I coordinate our multi-agency planning group. Um, and we I set out a few years ago to make that planning process the best in Dorset. We wanted an independently chaired safety advisory group that set a standard for events across the area. Um, and if you do that and behave in that way the people that come on board and work for you the people that run the subcontracted teams our security team Andy and Pat for instance their team then behave in that way in that fashion and their uh, 180 staff yeah. behave in that fashion and of course you're right there's always going to be outliers who don't yeah, get it who, uh, who, that's who in any organization, yeah and that's yeah. in any organization particularly with temporary staff so you're always going to have that element slightly but I believe that if we set the tone at the start right at the center of what we do and how we behave that will kind of emanate out into the the wider organization um, and then on the customer side I think it's more it's the sport is the bit yeah. like the the team culture um, the brotherhood or sisterhood of the rugby teams and netball teams and hockey teams that come along is really underpins the event. And when even if you're not there to play the sport, you kind of buy into that culture of sports people, like-minded people with similar opinions um, and just a, a similar approach to life. And then that, again, has emanated out around the event. So... Um, Dodge and Fleur when they came up with the idea they came up with an absolute blinder of a concept that yeah. no one else was doing in the UK and and uh, and all credit to them and respect for not just having the idea but giving giving up and taking huge risks to deliver it but what we've then done is taken built a team out over the years to really go okay well what have we got here how can we continue to evolve that how can we continue to grow it and yeah. um and it's nice because we try and make every year better than the year before yeah. as well. Um, it, Constant improvement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, from things like we never try like physical location of structures around our festival arena. Let's move them. Let's try them. Let's make them look slightly different. Just because we think if someone is loyal and comes back to your event year on year, you want them to not go, oh, it's the same as last yeah. year. You just want them to um, kind of... They go, oh yeah, what a, what a great thing, that's new, that's exciting. Um, and people leave Bournemouth 7s being like, that was my best weekend of the year. And like having created that for someone is just so rewarding for, 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 for us, for people, for, for everyone. And, and yeah, it kind of spans right across the business, really. Fantastic. So I suppose we should sort of stray into the area of you being the MD of a business that has two strong 
founders in Dodge and Fleur mm. would all in terms of it was their idea, their concept, their energy that got it going. Um, you, by the sounds of it, you joined the organization, you know, not at a senior level and, and worked your way through. So how did the role of MD for you at the festival come about, Craig? Yeah, um, so it was, a, it was a really interesting journey. And, and you're right, Dodge and Fleur are, um, are kind of still, they, they came up with the idea that still the people that own our business and have, have kind of allowed us to succeed and through COVID propped us up, which I think is, is absolutely to their credit. Um, one of um, Dodge's great strengths is putting good people around him, and he's done that ever since he started his business career, um, and then trusting in them to do their thing. Um, I think that's that's really when I look back at my journey through the business. That's how I reflect on it. And I, um, to paint a bit of a picture, I met Dodge in 2010. Um, we were introduced through a mutual friend that was a promoter in Bournemouth, promoting in the venue I was running and um, and, and selling tickets for Dodgers Festival. And, and they put us in touch and um, Ben was like, spoke to Dodge, you need to speak to this guy. And I was like, God, I just, I want to work in events. I, I'm, I'm done with the kind of career I was in at the time. I root for events is me. It's where I want to get to. I love Bournemouth. I love living here. There's nothing bigger here. Um, so why would I not try yeah. and get into that space? Um, and even at that time, uh, the festival was was hugely successful. Um, it was four years in. Um, it was getting, gaining a growing reputation. Um, but there were four staff, five okay. staff, something like that. Um, and we've always outperformed expectations as a company well before my time. The, like, the number of people that are involved in delivering an event of the scale of we have has always been mind-blowing, I think. Um, and I basically had a conversation. I, w- I went to speak to Dodge and, uh, and met Sophie, who was the MD at the time, and, and Fleur, and had two or three meetings with them. Um, uh, it was really good. I was a nervous, shaking wreck. I remember walking right, in. It and meant so like, much to yeah, you yeah. get a role here. Yeah. yeah. And I was exactly that. And I was quite young, and, and I was just, I really want this. And, um, I, and I spoke to spoke to them a few times and um, anyway it kind of transpired they were kind of at the edge of what they wanted to fund they didn't really have budget for new members of staff Um, I was running a venue at the time and me and Dodge had a conversation and he was like I can get to like 14k a year and I was like Jesus (laughs) I was like that that, this this is 11 years ago yeah but that still wasn't very much money but um uh, but I moved, I, I was like, well, fine. Uh, so I moved home um, and lived with my parents and I, I just left the, the venue I was in in Wimborne and just was like, do you know what? Uh, it just feels right. It feels like the right decision to make. Um, and I threw myself into it like wholeheartedly. As I said, I started in the March before a May festival. So um, yeah, it, just right in at the deep end, which actually I think is a great way to learn. Yeah. Um, and um and to be fair to Dodge and Fleur at the time, that they both said to me, they said, if you, if the company does well, you'll do well. Um, and they've been so true to their word ever since. They've looked yeah. after me at every stage, at every opportunity. Um, and I'm massively thankful for that. I know that I've performed well and, and good at my, what I do, but also they've backed me to the hill all the way through that journey. And that relationship is incredibly strong, um, considering I'm not family. Um, and this is a family-owned business. Yeah. Their trust in me and their kind of respect for my opinion is, has been unwavering all the way through. So... Um, 
I said to Dodge in our very first meeting, he was like, where, where do you think you'll get to? And I was like, I reckon I'll be a director of your business one day. And I said this as a 24-year-old kid. <laughs> and, uh, but I just, I just, it just felt right to, to say that. Um, so I went through a number of kind of positions, a number of functions in the business. A great thing about a small team is mm. you do all sorts. Yeah, go you from, learn the business in you, its entirety, don't you? Yeah, you go from doing like commercial deals with Nintendo and Carlsberg to being sat at your desk at 11 o'clock night laminating access passes. <laughs> like, it's honestly, that's what events is. It's everything um, for, from start to finish. And that that was really good. And and sort of that was in 2011. Um, fast forward five years in, in 2016, and Sophie, who was my first boss, um, moved on. Um, and again, Dodge and Fleur didn't look outside of their business. They didn't go, okay, we need to recruit mm-hmm. a replacement. They said to myself will you look after Bournemouth Sevens Festival? And they said to Stephanie, who was in the business at the time, will you look after Viper 10, which was our sportswear business at the time? And both of us said yes. Um, and from there, I was like, absolutely. I like that. And I've just kind of loved it every day. And I was 29 at the time. And, and I felt really proud to be kind of MD of a festival business at 29. I'm hugely ambitious to be... I want to be amongst the very best event professionals in the UK. It's it's my driver. It always has been, um, and I felt like that was a really big step for me in achieving Fantastic. that. So um, yeah, that's that, that was the journey really. Fantastic, and what a journey, and what great faith mm. and belief that Dodge mm. and Fleur yeah, showed absolutely. in you, and that yeah. kind of grow. You know, it's something that I've followed as well. Develop businesses is that grow your own mentality and see people come through. You, as an owner of a business, there's no better feeling than seeing mm. somebody that you took on and believed in and they grow and they exceed your expectations and they then they exceed their own expectations sometimes of what yeah. that you believe you can be achieved but and I mean there must be some challenges though so you know I suppose part of this podcast and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is you've got lots of entrepreneurs business owners founders out there listening that perhaps feel like they're too too close to the cold face they haven't been able to do what Dodge and Fleur did by the sounds it from a very early stage which is let go play to their strengths get others in to manage and develop their businesses for them so for those that are listening that perhaps haven't been able to make that step it's probably worth us just exploring some of the challenges that you face being the MD of an entrepreneurial business because they'll be the things that will be going through their mind and how perhaps you've overcome some of those challenges. So let's start with what are some of the challenges you've faced in the sort of six years fulfilling that role? Yeah, I, I think in in terms of structure, I guess it comes down to trust and finding that kind of trust in, in people that you, you believe in. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily an easy thing. No. Um, and, and I think um, Dodge and Fleur um, were both... I guess part of the, 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 the reason for our success was circumstance. So they had their son, Alfie, um, and wanted to spend a bit more time with him, okay. um, which created an, an environment where they wanted to be um, maybe less involved than um, Dodge, certainly less involved in the day to day through kind of a, a period of his life. Um, I think also um, he then stepped back a little bit and allowed me to grow and develop and take on kind of ownership of projects and concepts. I think I always had, Dodge has always been really mindful of the stuff he's very good at and the stuff that he needs to bring other people into. So the the kind of the operational side of event delivery, Dodge has a picture of, but like 
doesn't doesn't need to know all of the detail of what's in our 350 page event management yeah. plan but like that but that's trust again but that's trust yeah. yeah um so i think um the key is in the key in our relationship is a like a strong personal relationship of being really like acutely aware of each other's uh, strengths and weaknesses and how they can kind of work together um we both share a view of the team in almost a sporting context of um, of who are our teammates, what are their strengths and weaknesses, um, how do we build on them and how do we con- compile all of those individual players into the best possible team it can be. Um, and I think that really has kind of governed where we have been and the journey we've been on. Um, and by no stretch of the imagination is event delivery an easy process we have faced some significant mm-hmm. challenges over the years um not least covid obviously and, and 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 i'm sure we'll talk about that but our industry became effectively illegal for two years um so in terms of bringing people together wasn't permissible no. so so we we had to navigate that as a team um and that dropped back again into we had a the three of us had a conversation and we went okay well is the right thing to do to release people and to reduce the size of our team or do we back our team to the hilt use furlough do all the things that we need to do to keep that team together so that we can ride the wave mm. out the other side uh, and uh, they absolutely made that call and i i look at covid and i think well that was a a real time during which people they kind of nailed their colors to the mast in terms of we're backing our team or we're just in it for the short term we'll bid everyone off and then we'll yeah, rebuild, rebuild when we get to the other course, side which yeah. just isn't the right way our our event succeeds because we have amazing people doing an amazing job um and um they're all we've had hardly any staff turnover since uh since certainly since i kind of became md it's been really tight and everyone loves it and and and, and i love i love that and i think dodge and flair play a massive part in that in terms of rewarding staff mm. so looking after people every year we have a, a annual appraisal process as everyone out there does but we're not like one percent and two percents that people get meaningful chunks that yeah. improve their kind of quality of life and i think that's always been really good we're never afraid to promote people young as i said i was md at 29 um our the three uh, directors responsible for the day-to-day delivery of our business are all in our early 30s yeah. um so it dodge has always said to me age is just a number um, and it's really easy to say that, yeah. but to actually deliver to on that is true and accurate. And I think f- from my side, it's about if you build that and you trust in that, the success will follow. And of course, you need good people. Mm. Um, like that recruitment piece is so important because if you have the wrong people in the wrong cogs yeah. in, obviously, then that's going to present some challenges. But um, we're, we're a big believer that like passion, attitude, approach, are the things that matter more than maybe qualifications in the first okay. instance? And that's perhaps taking again that sporting kind of management style, isn't it? That what would happen in a team sports environment, you know, passion, attitude, approach yeah. to turning up, and how you show up is as important as the skills because the skills can be learned. Yeah, exactly that, exactly that. And it's hard to it's hard to quantify that, I think, because it's hard to say. Um, when I look into our business I go well these are the things that 
Dodge is really good at. So he's really good at creating a team and getting loyalty from really good people. Um, that's an almost intangible mm. skill. Yes. Um, that you, It's really hard to say, if I was talking to another entrepreneur, I would say try and do that. But almost trying to say to them what to do is, is, a, is, a, is a real challenge. It is, because that's proper leadership, it isn't is. it? And sometimes it's, there's that whole thing, is leadership, Yeah. you know, is it... Are you born a leader yeah. or do you become a leader? Yeah, and I, th- yeah I, I completely. And I think sometimes being a good leader is knowing when to step back and allow other people to yeah. lead um, and to fulfill their leadership obligations and expectations and so forth. So, um, And that for me has allowed me to flourish and not look at leaving or moving yeah. because I've always known there is not really a ceiling on my aspirations and where I can get to to go on the journey. And I want the, like, the team that we have working with us to see those same opportunities and stuff so would you say you are i think i know the answer to this Mm. from what you've said already but do you think you are given the opportunity to be entrepreneurial within an entrepreneurial led business yeah absolutely i think that's i think that's the approach and i think it's about it's about there being a capacity for ideas to flourish whether they succeed or not Um, and I and I think that kind of entrepreneurial approach it's about not kind of micromanaging situations through it's about letting people come up with their own ideas develop their own ideas put their input in and see that input become a business direction Mm -hmm. or a business strategy Um, and and I think yeah we want people to feel like they are effectively running their own part of our business I mean we're always acutely aware that there is an overall big picture of what we're looking to this do. This is where and, we're going. This yeah. is what we're doing. The events on this day. Yeah, it's got to be a success. Yeah, yeah. exactly that. And um, and ultimately, you need a, a hierarchical decision-making process yeah. because you can't just allow everyone across every area of the business to be making those decisions. But you can allow them to invest and input their opinions into d- different parts of it. And actually, if making a key decision is within their sweet spot then leave it with them and see see kind of how it grows and develops. So. Right. So that then leads me on to thinking, okay, and this is where I've seen it go wrong so many times, is when the entrepreneur, you know, the Dorsian Fleurs, sort of step to one side, they let go, they trust in somebody, that's all going well, but sometimes things don't go well. Mm. And usually what happens is the founders run straight back in, round the table, seize control, and but... Clearly, that hasn't happened. But what does happen? Because not, you know, life. Yeah, of course. You know, life doesn't go to plan. So, what does happen when decisions are made within Bournemouth Sevens, and things don't quite go as you sh- planned or you had hoped? And you know, what's the kind of interaction like at that stage? Mm. Grown up, I think okay. we talk about it, and then we go, okay, well, what's what do we feel is, and I, even in the kind of the darkest situations. I don't ever feel like the trust has waned from Dodge and Fleur. Um, I don't think at at any point has it been a a blame game or why don't we do this. It's it's an absolute trust in going, okay, well, well, let's get through this. Um, Dodge's positivity is really kind of a key part of that Mm. because um, if I think about COVID, we've launched a new business and doubled our staff during as a result of a a Dodge brainwave in COVID. Um, So investing out of a out of a problem i think is 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 wise um i also think having like a tactile understanding of how things are developing 
like really getting to the heart of them and understanding them helps um and i try and make my business based on just being kind to people just listening to them hearing them out speaking to people properly like humans and like adults and generally we've always worked our way through kind of problems and challenges and um that is like it's really easy to throw this around but sometimes at a festival the issues you can be facing can be life or death situations mm-hmm. um it's the nature of the beast of a festival um that you have serious medical incidents or whatever um but the groundwork that you put in in the planning of these things really really helps because if you approach business in the right way and build everything out properly you're resilient to stuff going wrong and actually in my mind, COVID was a test of resilience more than anything. Probably the biggest test of resilience mm-hmm. uh, business has had for, for forever, probably since the wars. Um, but we were resilient because we were set up in that way um, to, to be dynamic and reactive. And I think that's a real strength of ours, that we're, we're not so stuck to a plan that if things change, things we, we plough on relentless. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's almost like a... I use a lot of sport analogies because we're a sporting business, but it's about like having a, a plan B, a plan C, if yeah. like your first set of tactics aren't working and being able to amend those live in the game as you go. Yeah. Um, and really interestingly, they're skills that a good event manager has. Like yeah. they are like core, like event managers are dynamic people. Um, yeah. And because that's our world that we work in, we're constantly firefighting, constantly problem solving. Um, and I think that set us up to be able to cope with challenges well because we're used to that sort of process. Okay, brilliant. So, and we're going to come on and talk about COVID and, mm. and you know, the, the events crowd, which is the new business in a moment and want to touch on some of the other things that you do. But so just trying to wrap up that kind of MD, founder, entrepreneur kind of element of this mm. conversation, I suppose. So if there's a founder entrepreneur listening to this thinking about installing an md the things that i'm hearing you say are build a rapport build a relationship build trust Mm -hmm. understand each other's strengths and weaknesses strong communication and that communication accelerate when things don't go to plan exactly that yeah i think that's that's an amazing summary i think the only thing i would add is that it's really natural for an entrepreneur or a founder to step back when things become business as usual um, and not to be afraid of that. I think, um, like, if I think about Dodge and other entrepreneurs I know, the creative idea generation part of the business is the exciting bit that gets them up in the morning at 5 a.m., makes them go, wow, what is this? Uh, How can I create this? How can I develop this? This is so exciting. And we'll talk about the event crowd in a bit. But the event crowd is that for Dodge at the moment. He wakes up in the morning excited about what it can be, where it can reach, what its potential is. When the business matures and becomes a bit more procedural, bit more day to day, that by very nature is sometimes less exciting for an entrepreneur. but that doesn't mean they care any less about it. It just floats their boat a little yeah. bit less. And therefore, that's the time to step So away. that's the time to go. I think if you trust yourself and you get to the point where you're like, I'm not up first thing in the morning excited about this and buzzing about it when I go to bed, that's probably the right time to go, okay, well, I now need like a 
captain of that ship to steer it forward whilst I, A, either think about something else uh, or adding to what we do, um, B, have external stuff to, to go and do, and as I said earlier, Dodge and Fleur, use the, the kind of a bit of downtime to have a family and, and, and do that. Um, I, I, so I think it's, it's a case of timing, and I guess there's plenty of... Uh, business planners and economists out there and stuff like that who would say you can almost plan that time scale you actually after three or four years of doing something provided it's been successful you're going to be kind of in in a much more kind of cyclical business as usual sort of phase Um, and that's someone else's skill set probably I'm not like by nature I'm not going to be coming up with a brand new concept for like a a festival or whatever Um, but the planning and organisational stuff is right in my lane. That's exactly yeah. what I love doing. So it's about finding those people whose skill set match the kind of the appropriate time Compliment. for the business. I guess the, the business at the appropriate time. That's brilliant. Thank you, Craig. Um, so I, we've touched on this. I don't really want to dwell on it because um, you know I think we've all had enough of talking about COVID and the pandemic. But you can't, you know, the hospitality and the event sectors and all of those. With, you know, and travel was so decimated by what happened. And I think I saw the statistic on your website. You went 823 days between the end of one festival in 2019 and the start of the next, which obviously happened in summer of mm. 2021. How did you keep yourself motivated for that period of time? Yeah, uh, you are right. Uh, and we... It's so easy as a, as people to kind of fall into reviewing uh, COVID and stuff like that. And I do try and look at it with a what did we learn to be better at what we do kind of mindset. Um, if I look at specifically at the 800 or odd days between events, um, we were busy. Like we were cancelling. We, we moved Bournemouth Sevens three times before we actually delivered it. Right. So we originally at the start of COVID moved from May to August because we were like, oh, 10 weeks time we'll be fine it'll all be done (laughs) uh all kind of stupidly naively uh, sensibly i guess yeah we were like uh, and then we pushed it on to may 2020 and then we eventually pushed it on to uh sorry may 2021 and then eventually on to august 2021 so we were busy doing that all of that stuff requires time and energy um we had staff off with furlough um so i think the reason i talk about building a love of and passion for your business is because that builds effectively a reservoir of of time and love and stuff like that that makes you go okay if things are not going well I've still got this bank and reservoir of respect for the business that means I'll keep going when kind of stuff is 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 not going as we hoped um and our team was incredibly loyal. They put aside all of their own kind of personal stuff and the uncertainty that we were all facing um, during during those times to go, okay, well, let's put the festival first. Let's make sure the festival happens. And that it is because of the team that we were able to get wow. through that time um, because we got the support from Dodge and Fleur. People kept the jobs, but it was because of the team, because the team worked tirelessly when it felt horrible when we were cancelling events when we were having to distribute refunds when we were having to work with suppliers to move them again to the next day and all that kind of thing um the team did that working remotely sometimes working back in the office when kind of conditions allowed um but yeah that's why we got to where we got to and that is why for me the number one thing in my job and 
our business has to be the culture because you need that buy-in from your people um, because if you get that then they'll get you through mm. absolutely anything um, and that for me is is why why we survived um, and again I, I talk about event management and event people event people are resilient they're they're very used to dealing with horrible stuff um, and coming out the other side um, and and like as an industry we are a world leading industry genuinely um, and I think that's so important and I see that in our small team that's doing one of a thousand festivals a year like we are just yeah. we are just one of a huge ecosystem but we survived because we all bought into to it together I think fantastic and I, I suppose it's worth touching on where the events industry finds itself today kind of post-covid and what's the future of the events industry so what's the climate like for the events industry right now yeah so it's a tough time I'll okay. be honest with you it's um I think Covid highlighted to us the fact that a the government and b the public probably don't understand what goes into event delivery. Yeah. Um, the the UK events industry is or was pre Covid worth if you include weddings eighty four billion pounds, employing seven hundred thousand people. It's huge, yeah. but if from a financial point of view, um, there's loads of misunderstanding for boring things like sick codes. They're just events businesses aren't all registered under one kind of suite of codes okay. which means that they um when the treasury is looking at the value of our economy uh, or our contribution to the economy it's really hard to do and go okay well actually that industry therefore needs support and um and additional funding and we need to back behind, it absolutely really? yeah. yeah so if you think about um, the Arts uh, Arts Council funding, the Culture Recovery Fund, which came from the D Department for Culture, Media and Sport, um, that did go to some events, to some festivals, but it went to an awful lot of theatres. It went to an awful lot of uh, kind of arts organisations that already were receiving central funding to, to be propped up. And because the government didn't know about us and how we worked, we were right at the end of the queue to get funding, despite the fact, as I said earlier, we were illegal. Like you literally, yeah. if we had wanted to put on a festival, we yeah. couldn't have done, we weren't allowed right. to. So we had a huge amount of work to do and the industry has worked amazingly hard to present itself to government and go, this is who we are, this is what we do, this is why we need your support. We don't need your support now because almost the the boat the ship has gone but yeah. if this happens again or if something terrible happens again or if the war if war happens and the, our industry we need support we need we need backup and fortunately a huge amount of people have worked to open those corridors of conversations and that was something i was involved in and passionate about as well um so that was a really kind of interesting part and also i think the people behind events, you should never really see them when you go to an event. No. You should never really understand that to put Bournemouth Sevens Festival on, you've just been in an environment with 800 staff yeah. because the success is that you just have a good time while you're there and it yeah. all works seamlessly. Um, but that then meant when I was trying to raise the profile of our industry and say we need support no one kind of got it and people and i say no one obviously some people did but the the broad misunderstanding of the the context of how you deliver an event is yeah. is real most of my friends say what do i do for the rest of the year and i'm like, <laughs> and i'm like no this this isn't an easy game um this is this is it's something really really tough so um so all of that work happened during covid um and we actually come out the other side of covid 
in a better place in, in many ways. Um, and um, uh, the South Coast Events Forum, which is something I set up during the, 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 the pandemic, which is now a membership of 340 people or companies across Dorset, Wiltshire and Hampshire, um, that was just set up as a community to try and work together to get out of this. And people in our industry are talking to each other where they probably yeah. otherwise weren't. So I look back at COVID and I go, okay, some real positives came out the other yeah. side of that, which is, which is really, really good. Um, and for us as a business, the event crowd came because of COVID and that's a new exciting opportunity yeah. for us to be working on. Um, as we sit today, the events industry is overwhelmed with demand, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, people, everyone wants to get back out everyone, there. Everyone wants to get out there. Um, you hear all sorts of figures, and I, I won't quote any, but the amount of money that people are sat on because um, because they didn't spend on holidays yeah. and events and stuff during the last couple of years. And obviously there are people who that definitely isn't the case for who need to be very mindful and respectful of as well. But um, demand is there. Demand is through the roof. Um, and... A big event organisers, the Live Nations of this world, are going hard at delivering festivals this year. So um, where they have a festival in the north, they're throwing a, a replica in the south, yeah. doubling up on lineups and that sort of thing. Um, we have the Commonwealth Games this year. Um, we have a heap um, of large infrastructure swallowing events taking place in the UK. Yeah. And the supply chain just isn't can't cope. Uh, okay. um, and the reality is that um, estimates range to about a third of the people that worked in the industry pre-COVID left um, or have... Because um, of that lack of support, they found other jobs, they decided uh, they wanted something yeah, more certainty. With, and... with all due respect, they're, work, they're driving an Amazon, Amazon van yeah. or they're working for Tesco or they're doing something else because there was the certainty in yeah. that. That some of them might come back, but some of them might not. Some of them, like the events industry, and I love the events industry, but it's been rubbish at looking after its people um, as a as a whole. Yeah. Um, long hours. Uh, if you might work an eighteen hour day for weeks on end for delivering show after show, and we don't have that at Bournemouth Sevens because we're one event a year. But these touring companies that go from one show to another show to another show, um, real mental health challenges in our industry in terms of. Um, yeah, looking after people. Uh, you go from periods of intense high of delivering an event to almost complete isolation when you go home as a freelancer or whatever. And um, those sort of things are, are, are real. So we are, as an industry, we're tackling loads of, loads of stuff. Um, the, the good thing, as I said, is that the demand is there, which is wicked. Um, as an but event... You've got to have supply, haven't yeah, you? You've got yeah, to have people to yeah. deliver the event and the kit and the equipment and the resource. Yeah, I mean, as an event organiser, we're seeing, and I was chatting to a few people at a conference I was at yesterday, probably average increasing costs of around 30% from suppliers, 20 to 30%. Right. Our prices haven't gone up that level, so all of a sudden your margins are getting squashed because yeah. you're in that really kind of challenging situation. And that's because suppliers... Raw materials, as as everyone knows, have gone up significantly. Staff wages have gone up all the way through COVID. Minimum wage has been going up, which is great. But when large chunks of your workforce are minimum wage employees, that really is yeah. a, a, a kind of an impact that you've got to manage through. Um, so, I mean, I talk a lot at the moment about, as an industry, we need to, to tackle both the urgent stuff, which is lack of supply, uh, 
getting more people back into the industry um, but also the important stuff um, and there's some real trends in this and things that we spent a lot of time talking about at the conference I was at yesterday which are things like our industry isn't particularly diverse um, so it's an awful lot of white men um, yeah. and it isn't particularly reflective of the audiences that it serves um, that and surprises me yeah it's, it's really really interesting because if you think of the events industry and events in general being yeah. a very culturally rich environment and like what you will see really interestingly is often behind the stage it isn't it doesn't reflect that it doesn't and um, I have sat on a few panels just exploring that generally um, it's 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 really interesting because we haven't got enough people in our industry at the moment and therefore we need to be thinking about ways in which we can open ourselves up to a to a new a new workforce and, and, and make it an exciting and enticing place to be so diversity equality and inclusion is really kind of high priority for people in the events industry at the moment justifiably so um and then sustainability is 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 probably that ed, like um climate action whatever you kind of want to call it that that thing around well that was probably the highest priority in the lead up to covid during covid took a bit of a back seat which actually considering it's an existential thing might end up being a much worse situation yeah. that we've got to deal with in the long term so we need to tackle that as an industry um and as I said earlier, just looking after our staff better. Um, yeah. So having, we need to deal with the urgent and the important simultaneously, which for an industry that's been knocked to the ground and people are now trying to still recover their reserves and get out of kind of loss-making years, I think is is a re- really, really, tough cha- really challenging environment. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when you look forward and you look think about the kind of events industry and there's a lot of chat and chatter at the moment isn't there about AI and the metaverse and technology do you think we will become a world of virtual events or is the world going to stay in the real world you know where do you see as someone that's clearly so passionate about the events industry where's that events industry going to evolve over say the next 20 years get your crystal ball out yeah yeah I think uh, it's really interesting because COVID has accelerated technology in events, uh, virtual conferences, hybrid conferences, all that sort of thing. Um, so yes, I think there is an amazing opportunity in the future for digitalizing elements of live events. If I think about festivals, that's always happened. Like BBC showing Glastonbury on TV mm. is a hybrid event, is a combination yeah. of <laughs> it's, it's yeah. a combination of live a live event shown to the people that can't be there in a virtual space like that is that is hybrid right and they've been doing that for 30 years or however long so there is opportunity there for me though what covid has done is reinforced the value of human connection Mm -hmm. and social interaction and being face to face with other people Uh, and i just therefore don't see that going anywhere I, i i genuinely i think no matter how far we proceed in the life of AI and virtual worlds and metaverses and all that kind of stuff there is no substitution for human interaction and for me that's what COVID reminded us of more than anything absolutely and hence why the events industry is booming now and but but that's a really interesting concept that kind of never the kind of pennies dropped is maybe the technology is is how people that can't be in at the event will immerse themselves more yeah virtually by Exactly that. And I think that's what will happen because I think you can't, 
I'm not particularly technologically minded. Like I, I'm not a gamer. I'm not that like virtual reality and so forth isn't massively yeah. on my radar. Um, I'm a I'm a people person. I, 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 I love being surrounded by people that are having fun and stuff. Um, but I do see a space whereby if you live in a different country and you want to go to an event, you can hop into that event yeah. through through your virtual world and um, and enhance it. And there are. I've got absolutely no doubt there are plenty of revenue opportunities in that space in the future for brands to engage with not just the people that are there in person, but the people that are there virtually as well. Um, and that's exciting because it effectively puts more money into the pot. But do I see a world in 20 years time where where no one is at an event and actually the festival the is room. entirely yeah. virtual? No, because it's about people. It, like The whole events industry is is about people it's about the people that come through the doors the people that love being there and the people that are all working tirelessly behind the scenes to make it happen that ecosystem is massive and i don't think we'll ever replace it fantastic there you are heard it heard it here first so we've talked about it we've mentioned it a couple of times but just as we start to wrap up our conversation let's touch on the events crowd it's a recently launched business you're sort of heading up that as the md but clearly by the sounds of it is fully onto that at the moment. That's where his energy is going. But you know, what is the events crowd? Uh, yeah, so um, the events crowd is Dodge's latest brainchild. It's him going back to his entrepreneurial kind of core, and 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 that's been really really good to see actually in him. And he sat down at the start of COVID whilst myself and our team were rattling through how we keep that business kind of floating and, and and all that sort of stuff and Dodge was going okay how do we safeguard our business for the future um, and effectively the event crowd is an online learning platform for the next generation of event managers right. um, and that is exciting um, because as we've talked about today there is a lack of event people in the events industry we need the next generation to come through and to develop um, and this is our way of kind of contributing to that and it's going to be a hell of a journey. Like, I, I don't know where it's going to end up. It's, um, <laughs> but that's part of the fun. That is part of the fun. Um, it's gone from having no staff um, in April 2020 when Dodge and I first had the conversation. The Bournemouth Sevens team played a really big role in helping during that COVID period okay. of conceptualising it, developing it, growing it. And then when we got into... Bournemouth Sevens 2021, feeling more likely. We started recruiting in that business. We brought um, three people on initially who did an, have done an amazing job and are in that business. Um, that's now up to nine staff. Um, I, I actually have stepped back as the day-to-day -day MD of that business, and we, we've taken a, a new guy, Adam, on to run that business, who's yeah. come from the online learning world. Um, and for me, that that's exciting like obviously in terms of being part of our group i'll still have the overall oversight of it but actually to then see a team developing to form to create something new and take it forward yeah is is amazing um and i think it'll do wicked it's right in my sweet spot because it's about it's about events professionals it's about training teaching and the whole point of the events crowd is to tell people exactly what it's like on day one um that sometimes university textbooks can yeah. not can miss the point a little bit i think is, is fair to say so we want to create something that tells people exactly what it's like on day one what you need to know who you speak to um, all that kind of stuff and we've got 
40 lecturers from across the events industry all come in, given their time very generously to tell tell people what it what it's really like and um, we're pitching it out there for for graduates for people who don't particularly want to go to university want another route into the industry for people who are changing their career and want to come and work in the world that we live in and, and love and shout about continuously um so yeah it's 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 exciting um it's running simultaneously to Bournemouth sevens um which is nice to have an office full of of people kind yeah, of it must driving give both forward. businesses must give each other energy at yeah times. yeah there's huge synergy between them there's huge opportunity for them both um and and, and again a really kind of young and dedicated and committed team that are, are taking that that business forward so um yeah it's, it's a it's a nice nice development and something that kind of complements the stuff Fantastic. we're already doing exciting times so you also just seem to be a really keen believer in volunteering, dedicating your time to causes that are important to you. I mean, I've got a list here. You're chair of the Destination Management Board um, for Bournemouth Council. You are the ambassador for Dorset Mind. You're a trustee of the Steve Bernard Foundation, a sporting charity based in Bournemouth. You're vice president of the National Events Association. I mean, where do you find the time, Craig? <laughs> um, why are all of these roles so important to you? Um, if I talk about the the Steve one first, um, so Steve was my best friend at school, um, who who very sadly passed away in a, in a car accident when we were eighteen, um, and he was a trainee PE teacher at Chichester University, um, best friend through school, loved him to bits, world fell apart when when he sadly passed away, um, and the foundation that myself and his family set up in his name is my guiding light through my career is my is it takes me back to to a real kind of heartfelt place that that I love um and Steve uh Steve was as I said training to be a PE teacher and and we've just about ratcheted through half a million pounds raised as a charity since day one so thank you yeah Fantastic. um and all of that money goes to sporting causes across the local across the south coast across dorset and 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 sussex um so that for me and when i think about steve as a person i actually think he still shapes my day every day because my first steps into the events world were in running fundraisers in his name right so he's the one that's the cause yeah. that grounds you type yeah. thing and yeah. brings you back yeah exactly that and i will always love that i will always love doing that i don't have as much time to give it as i once did um but tony steve's dad runs it on a day-to-day -day basis and it's completely voluntary um and and i love it and um I think it's so important in business to hold on to those things which ground you, which give you a sense of perspective. Um, and when stuff is not going kind of quite as you hope, then you've got that to reflect yeah, right. on. And those but are also the stuff. other side, I think, I'm really with you on that. I think it's, you know, it reminds you of who you are, but it also sometimes reminds you not to believe your own hype. Exactly that, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and actually when things are going well, sometimes those things around you that remind you of who you are where you are, where you've come from, are really important, aren't they? Yeah, and absolutely. And the, they, it couldn't it couldn't be more grounding for me in that. And actually, there's two days a year where it floors me still, uh, and that's just losing a mate. Like, mm. the sadness of that is, um, is a grounding and a motivation for me every day. Um, and I thank him immensely for, since he's gone, being my inspiration, both 
personally and professionally. So that's um, yeah, that, that that's super important to me. The other bits, um, I personally went through quite a, a challenging time dealing with being gay when I was younger, um, and uh, I hated it, and it really kind of it was whilst I was performing professionally personally it was a uh, it was holding me back and stopping yeah. me being happy um so I went and saw a counselor in five years ago a, a chap called Anthony who was absolutely amazing and changed my world uh changed my life and made me kind of opened a door so I could become more comfortable with the person that I really am um and from that I ended up working with Dorset Mind. Um, they're a wonderful local charity, um, focusing on mental health. I think mental health is is such a challenging thing, um, particularly for young men, um, and um, obviously it affects everyone. But I've seen it acutely in myself and my my crowd and my friends. So um, that's why I became an ambassador for Dorset Mind. Um, and then the the other bits, the industry representation bits, they because of your passion. It, isn't it comes, it, yeah, it comes from my passion. Um, I'm very lucky. Our business allows me the flexibility to work around different bits and that. Um, it is challenging. I'll be honest, balancing all of that stuff with a full time job that asks <laughs> a lot as well, um, and a boyfriend uh, that you've got to well not, don't have to but you you want to spend time yeah. with you want to develop that kind of personal side of your life and, and all that sort of stuff as well so um the balancing act is 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 difficult but i i value everything i do i have learned over the last few years to say no okay. um and that's I, part of that journey with you on that you went through with the counseling and, and accepting who you are yeah, and, ex- yeah. yeah exactly that but um yeah i i think i think i just I'm, I'm by nature a yes person, so I say, yeah, I'll do that, yeah, I'll do that, yeah, I'll help with that, yeah, no problem. Um, learning to say no has been a massive business win for yeah. me because sometimes something just isn't right or it asks too much of you and you need to say no. And like if you're if you're built to please people like I am and you yeah. want to go, yeah, I'll do that. That's your yeah, industry, yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, so f- learning that skill, I think, has been really important. I'd probably still be a little bit better at it, but... Um, yeah, I think the thing that underpins all of all of the bits I do outside is I believe in betterment. I believe in just being helpful and supportive to the people around you, and I, I think it all comes back to you in the end. So, mm. um, yeah, that that that's why why I do those bits. And um, yeah, the tourism board is is great because this is the best part of the country to live in, in my opinion. And yeah. and we need to shout about it as much as we possibly can. Brilliant, Craig. So as we final question on the podcast is always that question around success. You know, it's the Evolve to Succeed podcast. So, you know, from a personal perspective, what's your definition of success, Craig? Um, for me, it's about collective achievement. It's about team. It's about as many people around you that are involved in your journey feeling motivated and positive about the world in which they operate so I don't really qualify my success personally I qualify it based on the teams and groups of people that I'm involved with how have we achieved things together and ultimately it's about staying standing when <laughs> when stuff knocks you down and um, yeah that resilience piece I mentioned earlier is, 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 is really really important so a bit of a kind of around the houses answer but um, no it, it is it, it's collective achievement it's being in an ecosystem and in a world where you can all face the battles together and come out the other side fighting 
Brilliant. What a great definition. So, Craig, if people want to learn more about you, if they want to learn more about the Bournemouth Sevens Festival, the events crowd, where can they go? Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot there's of links lot to drop in there, isn't there? there? Yeah. Um, so, BournemouthSevens.com is, uh, is the festival. All of our social links, we're across social media on all of those channels. Um, and again, the event crowd is across social media um, and on the, uh, the eventcrowd.com. So, I, I would thoroughly recommend looking at both of those. Uh, I'm not a, a tweeter by any nature or anything like that, but I am, I'm on LinkedIn. So, if anyone wants to find me on there, then uh, yeah, Craig Matty on there. Brilliant, Craig. Thank you for being an incredible and very passionate guest on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.